episode 19, Glass of Joe podcast. I'm PJ Glasser, joined as always by Joe Malfa. Joe, it is October, so we definitely have some baseball to talk about. Before we get into that, we though, we got to talk about the Stanley Cup, and we were all over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Everybody was. Everybody was. If you remember back to when we had Joe Beninati on, he said the same thing, and that was going back to shoot. I mean, that was end of May, early June now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said the same thing. That team steps off the bus. And you're looking at them like, ah, we're in for a rough one tonight. Did and you see John Cooper's hat that he was wearing? I was, just gonna, hat? I was just gonna mention that. That was my favorite story that I saw on SVP after they won the cup when he did his post championship interview. Uh, he was wearing the Virginia hat. SVP came on and said, I had a question written down to ask you about UVA, but I scratched it out thinking, all right, these are hockey guys. Maybe they don't pay attention to college basketball. And then he comes on the air wearing the UVA hat and they talked about it and he said, I don't really know much about college basketball. None of my team really does either. He mentioned Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov's a Russian. He's never watched a college basketball game in his life. Uh, but he asked him the significance of the hat, and he told him, John Cooper, he said, this team is the first-ever team to lose to a 16 seed as a one seed. It came back the following year, won the title. Mind you, still the defending champs. Separate note, because of no March Madness this year. So they're two-time defending champs. But um, he told it to his team, and it was something that he just clung to the whole off season that we can be this same team. And they were, they ran through it. There was really never a doubt. I mean, they did not face uh, really adverse situations the whole postseason. They just continued to roll through and roll through and very deserving champions. Absolutely. And now as we dive into the MLB, I ask you, I think the Dodgers might be the next team to fit that mold. They've been so dominant for the last seven, eight, nine years. And I'm just wondering, Joe, if the Brewers were to beat them. They kept it pretty close last night. They have a couple of their relievers out for this series, which definitely hurts them. I just wonder, though, if the Dodgers do lose tonight, it goes to a game three, and they were to fall, I think you have to hammer the Dodgers next year to win the World Series because – then I think if they lose this wild card series to the Brewers, now that they have Mookie Betts, people feel like that's the missing piece. I think you got to look at this team and be like, year after year, they're right there. We always pick them to at least go to the World Series, if not win it. And they just can never get past the hurdle of winning it. They've had trouble even getting to the World Series the past couple of years after making it back to back. And I don't think they'll lose to the Brewers, but if they were to, I think then you have to hammer L.A. next year. So, yeah, before I get to that, I mean, I don't think there's any way they lose to the Brewers. And honestly, I would say hammer L.A. even if they lose in the DS series, because if you're really thinking about it, this wild card series as a whole is a sham. It's not really the post. I mean, it's for the considering the top teams, like it's not really like a normal postseason yet. Think of it in the terms of a normal year. If the Dodgers lose in the LDS, that would be their normal first round exit, quote unquote. Right. So, uh, same logic, but if they lose in the LDS series, I don't think they'll lose to the Brewers. I mean, they've got uh, just such an advantage over them. They squeaked it out last night, but they there shouldn't be an issue of losing to the Brewers two games in a row. Um, Bellinger bats sixth in that lineup. I, it, it's, <laughs> it's an absolutely loaded lineup. Oh. They've got Kershaw, Bueller, and May as their three guys. Yeah. Uh, Bueller is apparently being safe for game three because he's not 100%. And if he doesn't pitch game three, he'll just pitch game one of the LDS. So they, they're really set up well. The only weakness in their team is Kenley Jansen. 
And a quick note also, you know, if the Dodgers lose tonight, they'll be facing elimination in game three. Uh, one of the more impressive things about the Lightning this year, they never even faced elimination. So the, the, what I was getting at before, they didn't really face too many adverse situations. Yeah. The most adversity they faced was the five-overtime game in game one against the Blue True. Jackets because yeah. who knows how that series could have gone mentally after being swept by the Blue Jackets, first time playing them in the postseason the following right. year. And you're losing five overtimes. Who knows how things could have gone? If you remember that. Virginia when they played Gardner Webb as they a did, they were down seed. at half. They were down. They were down like fourteen or fifteen in the first half, and then they yep. cut it to at halftime. And then so that was the Lightning. That was their moment. Was exactly. Game. Every yep. step of the way, it was. Just, it was just about it was the stay. same. Yeah, it was. No, that's true. They they didn't face adversity, which is pretty incredible. And. You know, they lost game one to the Bruins, too, after the Bruins looked so good against the Hurricanes. And maybe people were – at that point, Tampa was plus money to win the series. They were, like, plus 300 to win the conference That never final. made any sense. Plus money to win the series against the Bruins, that was absolutely bonkers. I made some money on that, but it was absolutely bonkers. So, but, yeah, I'm, I mean, that five-over-time game against Columbus, one they, once they won that, it was, it was theirs from then on. Back to the MLB now. So the Dodgers, Joe, I mean, it almost looks so clear-cut that they're getting to the World Series. And I worry that in baseball, the easier it looks, the harder it becomes. And you just try to pick a team in the NL, whether it's the Braves, who won yesterday, but again, they're having problems scoring today. The Cubs, who lost to the Marlins, they're having their Game 2 postponed until tomorrow. A lot of people wanted to cling on to San Diego because they're this fun, young team with a great lineup, but they got tons of problems with their pitching. Um, The Cardinals are definitely the veteran group. They're definitely the veteran group of the bunch, but you just don't know. Cincinnati, to me, could be the sleeper. They got to win today and tomorrow, but with their pitching and Castellanos and Votto in that lineup and Suarez, to me, they might be the sleeper team. But again, the Dodgers, you just – you try to find a team that you think can beat them, and I just don't know if you can. The only team that I think can beat them is the Padres if the Padres get past the Cardinals. Like you said, they'll have to win two games in a row because Clevenger and Lamott were not on the roster for the Wild Card Series, though they're believed to be healthy enough to be on the roster then for the LDS Series. And in that case, now you're going with those two studs, Game and 1 and 2, and then Paddock in Game 3, and it slots more appropriately. And all year, they battled with the Dodgers in the division, gave them a little bit of a scare towards the end to win the division. Didn't obviously come to fruition, but they were there with the Dodgers just about every step of the way. And I think that young, hungry team with really good hitting can give them the same fit that the Nationals gave the Dodgers last year, where they're batting order is just a gauntlet, granted the Dodgers is as well, but they can go blow for the blow with them offensively. Their first three starters can just about match up with the Dodgers' first three starters, and it could be a really interesting series. But after that, I mean, you look at the bottom half of the bracket, Cubs, Marlins, Braves, Reds, I don't see any of those teams giving the Dodgers Um, a a run. And again, the difference here, five-game series versus seven-game series. A lot easier to be upset in a five-game series um, like last year, if, if Nats Dodgers was a seven game set, no way in my mind, the Nats would have gotten, uh, to the four game mark in a seven game set, give the Dodgers a couple extra games, yeah. uh, get back to the mean and the better team probably wins. But in a five game series, when again, you only have to win three instead of four, 
much easier to pull off the upset. So I would say the Dodger, um, the Padres in the second round. Otherwise, nobody until the World Series can touch the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair. You bring up the Nats, and, you know, it takes a team like that to beat the Dodgers because their starting pitching is so good and in a short series. They use Corbin to come in and clean up those middle innings. Yeah. So the Padres, you know, they got Zach Davies, who's pitching today, who they like a lot. So if they go to the DS, they can use him in that kind of Corbin role. And then, you know, Tatis is like their Soto, and yeah, exactly. Machado is their par- Rendon. Plenty of right. parallels there, and yeah. if, if it's not the Padres in the LDS, nobody's beating the Dodgers until the World Series. Um, as far as the, the NL wildcard goes, I mean, the, the Reds and Braves are playing as we, as we record this. That's a toss-up. Cubs-Marlins postponed until tomorrow. Um, the Marlins just continue Once they get into the playoffs, yeah, the Marlins are they're dangerous. They continue to roll. Uh, Cardinals-Padres, I think the Padres will at least extend it to a game three, and then we'll see. And then I think the Dodgers win it tonight. In the AL, it's all pretty much set already. We got Rays, Yankees, which is going to be fun considering their bench is clearing already this year. Uh, Interesting note is they're staying in the same hotel in San Diego. Uh, So (laughs) who knows if anything spills over from the field of the hotel. And then the Astros against the winner of today's White Sox athletics matchup. That was a pretty good series so far. Came down to the last at-bat yesterday, Jose Abreu. Down two runs, bases loaded, two outs. Saw a good first pitch to hit. Swung first pitch, smoked a grounder to second base to end mm. the game. So that'll be a fun game to watch. I think later I like today. the White Sox today. I really do. The Oakland just had it's it's the Billy Bean curse. It's like Minnesota. Yeah. They just you know, and the White Sox they were really not in contention in that game at all yesterday, and they just found a way in the eighth and ninth inning to keep it close. And like you said, they had a chance to win. So it'll be interesting to see if Giolito is available at all today because the Athletics could not touch him in game one. So if he's able to give them a couple innings, possibly you get some other good innings from your starters. That lineup you got to think is going to give you at least three or four runs. So I think, I think the White Sox get the job done today. Regardless, do- regardless, though, I think the Astros beat whoever comes out of that. Oh, I think it's the opposite. I think yeah. the A's or the White Sox will beat the Astros. I think the Astros got that little edge to them now that they're in the postseason. And uh, I think they come out and kind of – they're not going to win the World Series and full revenge tour of, of after everything that happened to them in the offseason. But uh, <laughs> they seem to have an edge against the Twins. They know how to win playoff games. Some of their guys still aren't even – up to 100% hitting yet. Altuve has slumped the whole year. I feel like we've been waiting for him to break out of that slump the whole year. And maybe now, maybe now, but uh, I think things are coming together for the Astros to win in a five-game set. Same thing uh, where I I don't see the Dodgers losing until the World Series unless they get upset in the LDS. Um, On the flip side of that, I see the Astros winning the LDS, but I I don't see them beating either team that comes out of the other series. So, I think the Astros will win the LDS, but they will lose to the Rays or the Yankees. So flip side of the Dodgers, where I think they can lose in the LDS, no shot at losing in the LCS. I think the Astros will win the LDS, but no shot at winning in the LCS against the Yankees or the Rays. You know, I told you at the beginning of the year, Rays-Dodgers was my pick when we were doing the preview. But in baseball, it's so hard for the two top seeds to meet in the World Series. And you just look at the NL, and you just got to think the Dodgers will make it. And even though I do think the Rays are the best team in the AL – 
You look at the way the Yankees lineup hit against the Indians in those first I, two games. I think games. we're on that collision course that everybody wants, Yankees-Dodgers. Yeah, you know, I, the Yankees pitching still has some question marks after Cole and definitely in the back half of the bullpen when it's not Britton and it's not Chapman. But they just their hitters get up for the big matchups. I mean, you saw what they did to Bieber. They got Carrasco out of the game early. Snell, Morton, Glass now. I mean, that's as good as a one, two, three as it gets in baseball. You have to think they'll be able, they'll be up to the challenge. They'll be ready for it. And because the Rays don't get that advantage of playing in the trop, that dump that they're so used to, and you got to play in a neutral site in San Diego, I really think it helps the Yankees. I really do. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I don't know who I like to win that series. I really don't. <laughs> I will go back and forth. I think it goes five. But, uh, oof, I don't know. Again, I think the Rays are the better team, but I just don't think both number one seeds will make it to the World Series. So I think I might have a slight lean to the Yankees in that. I, I got the Yankees for sure in that series. Uh, Michael, four or five, but I got the Yankees, and then I got the Yankees over the Astros. So we get all the matchups we want along the way. Sure. Yankees, Rays to settle what happened in the regular season. Yankees, Astros to yeah, settle, some history, <laughs> settle some history. And yeah. then Yankees, Dodgers, which we've been wanting for years, and it just still hasn't happened. Um, but it, it's – look – for as much as I didn't care about the regular season, uh, the flip, the switch flipped uh, the other day where I'm, I'm, I'm into baseball again for the postseason. Quick question. Is Yankees-Dodgers about the biggest possible matchup that you can have in American sports? I'm thinking Ooh. Cowboys and Patriots. I'm thinking, I mean, Duke-Carolina meeting in the Natty would be big. If you had, like, the Iron Bowl or Michigan-Ohio State in the Natty, that would be big. But Dodgers-Yankees might be the biggest See, Dodgers-Yankees, it's not like a real rivalry anymore, though. So right, I but that. I mean, it's New it's, York and L.A., and it's, it's those New brands. It's New York and L.A., and it's the brands. But I think Lakers-Celtics is a bigger finals draw that we just missed. Okay. I think uh, any of those rivalries you mentioned in college sports, it's different because the college sports audience isn't necessarily as expansive as the MLB audience, yeah. but uh, I think – I, I would sign on the dotted line more for a Iron Bowl title game, like you mentioned, than I would for a Yankees Dodgers World Series. Um, I think I'd be I'd be even, you know, talk about the brands of the cities and those teams, even though there's no necessarily no not necessarily a rivalry. I think Lakers Knicks, if the Knicks ever didn't suck, yeah, no, would be a bigger sure. deal than Dodgers Yankees. Absolutely. Um, so, there's some yeah. other bigger ones, but it, it's it's right up there. It's sure. right up there. Now, hockey, um, you know, we know it doesn't get the love that it deserves. Um, the night that the Lightning won the Cup, it wasn't even one of the top three stories featured on SportsCenter that night, right, which right. is ridiculous. But um, I think Blackhawks-Rangers would be up there as far as the matchups go. Again, yeah. different audience, not as popular in the U.S., uh, but that would be even a more marquee matchup than Dodgers-Yankees just because – Chicago, the New York market. Exactly. The market's original six. So there's other ones. Yankees, Dodgers, two insane brands, two teams that spend like crazy. Uh, we've been waiting for that for years, and it hasn't happened. So it, it, would be a, it would be a huge deal, don't get me wrong. But I think there's other things that maybe me, I personally would want to see more right. and think would be a bigger deal than Yankees, Dodgers. It would be great, too, to see if they make it to the World Series. They just announced that 11,500 fans will be in attendance. We know if this was a normal year, I mean, the A-list celebrities at both those games sitting behind home plate. It'd be interesting to see the stars that fly out to uh, Texas if that is the World Series. That'd be something to see. Joe, you talk about A-list, our celebrity this week, about <laughs> as big as it gets. 
the great Mike Lupica, world-renowned author. It was great getting to talk to him. Uh, broke down the MLB postseason a little bit, NBA Finals. He was very sympathetic with you as a Jets fan. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun. So enjoy the interview with Mike Lupica. That is coming up. What a thrill this week to have world-renowned New York Times best-selling author, the great Mike Lupica. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us. How's everything going? Everything's fine. Uh, thanks for having me. Not a problem. Now, as an author, have you found these stay-at-home orders, have you been able to get more work done than you normally would be able to? Yeah, I've, I've actually been even more productive over the last six months or so than I, than I normally am. I take great pride being pretty productive but i yeah i've i've been writing more uh than than ever before uh i'm, I'm, I'm just this morning writing a new uh my third sunny randall novel character created by robert b parker and yeah our our, our uh, you know it's funny i've talked to a lot of writer friends and our lives haven't changed that much in terms of our professional life because we go up stairs or go into a part of our house or in a cottage and close the door and write a book so it hasn't really made me feel as if my professional life has required any adjustment mike i grew up in the new york area reading your stuff listening to you on the radio between that aspect of your career plus being an author uh, you've been a man of many hats and have you enjoyed one role more than the others well it, 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 to quote uh, my late uh dear friend and mentor william goldman who wrote the Princess Bride, Butch Cassidy, and all the presidents men. You know, I just always wanted to tell my stories. And and I started out telling them in the newspaper, and then it was just a natural progression, I felt, uh, to begin writing uh, a fiction. I, Jimmy Breslin, one of my heroes, had done it. Pete Hamill, one of my heroes, had done it. I, my only plan was to get to New York and write a column and then get the chance to write uh, uh, books. Column writing is a great training ground for for fiction every you got to have a beginning a middle and an end you have different characters every day you have different dialogue that you use every day and 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 the thing that it taught me the most is you got to just sit down and do it every day that uh, my friend harlan coleman says the only thing you can't fix is an empty page and i've mm -hmm. that's been a kind of a, a guiding comment for me for the last 35 years now, Mike, I know you're a huge sports fan, huge baseball fan. How excited are you to watch these wild card series? Obviously, it's been such a unique baseball season. We're getting games all day today, all games tomorrow. What interests you most about the baseball postseason? Well, I just, I actually just wrote a column very early this morning for MLB about um, Garrett Cole. Now, he was hired to win this game tonight. I mean, he's, he was hired to pitch well for a long time and help the Yankees win the World Series, but he was hired to win game one, and he's going up against Shane Bieber. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I love this. this. This, to me, feels like the first weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament, when we still have a <coughs> NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, it's, it, it's not one and done, but it, it feels a little bit uh, like that, where you can dig a huge hole for yourself by losing game one in a three, the best of three series, whether you're the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Tampa Bay Rays, it's this to me is, is a, a, I know purists don't like it. I, I, I just, uh, I'm going to put my, when I'm done writing today, I'm going to put my feet up and start watching games, but particularly circle Bieber versus uh, 
coal because as great as coal is, the kid from Cleveland, you know, he won the pitching triple crown this year. Oh, I mean, he's, wins, yeah. strikeouts, earn run average. So it's no, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be great. Reggie Jackson always used to say you gotta win if you're a Yankee, you gotta win eleven games in October. Well, whoever wins this year is gonna have to win thirteen games because they've obviously added a fourth round uh, to the playoffs. That's true. Now, do you think that anybody can um, challenge the Dodgers in the AL, and who do you like to come out of the AL? Oh, I, I think, I think the AL, it feels a little bit like um, the NFC in, in pro football. Mm-hmm. I think that the Rays are as tough and out as, as I've seen recently in baseball. The, the, the Oakland A's, they may be due. Um, the, the Indians have a spectacular pitching staff. The Yankees. You know, the Yankees, everybody thought they were a favorite to go to the World Series. They pretty much got all of their players right now. The yeah. only guy that they're really missing is James Paxton. So they don't have they don't they have they have no excuses. And could the twins get hot? Absolutely. It's I, I think it's more wide open. The Dodgers are the team to beat, but again, they're like everybody else. They don't want Kershaw to lose I assume it's gonna be Kershaw to lose game one. And then over to the NBA real quick. Do you think the Heat have any chance of taking down the Lakers? Oh, I, I've been using this. I've been using this analogy for a couple of weeks now. And would I bet on the Heat? No, I, I would pick the Lakers. I think uh, I think LeBron and AD are going to win. However, there are great similarities, at least for me, between this Heat team and another unlikely NBA champion. And that was the 2004 Detroit Pistons. Uh, coached by Larry Brown, they had they had really good players, Billups and, 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 and Rip Hamilton and, and Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace, okay? And, and, and they were a solid team with no superstars going up against Bill Jackson and Kobe and those Lakers. I think that was the team that Carl Malone and Gary Payton were on mm-hmm. as well. And, and and that team playing together without any, you know, superstars on it beat the Lakers in five games. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I, I've been telling Mitch and Bob uh, for a couple of weeks, would I be shocked if the if the Miami Heat win the, the championship? No. I, I'm picking the, the, the Lakers. I'm picking them in, in, in five games. But the Heat have been such a wonderful story. And – Oh, my God, what a great storyline. I mean, LeBron going up against Eric Spolstra, the Lakers going up against a team, you know, put together by Pat Riley. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's all you could have hoped for from bubble ball. Oh, man, I mean, it's, it's – I'm, 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 I haven't watched the, 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 the Stanley Cup, last game of Stanley Cup last night. Yeah. Yep. It's been as much of an all-you-can-eat buffet as you can get. And it's interesting with LeBron against the Heat I mean, don't where – Don't you think something great has happened almost every night? In the Pretty NFL? much. I do. Yes, it all started yeah. with the Suns, really, in the regular season. And then yep. it's just all yep. carried on through the playoffs. I mean, it's been great. And I like the storyline how pretty much for all he did for the Heat in those couple of years, LeBron really never gets talked about uh, as far as – um, being part of the Heat family, and, and now he gets to kind of go up against them in the finals. And I don't necessarily know if stick it to them is the right word, but it, there's been a lot of different things from the Heat, you know, celebrating different things from their past. And, and LeBron has almost seemed to get forgotten. Maybe that'll change once he's done playing. But uh, for now, 
Uh, he's got a chance to, to win another ring against them. Now, Mike, last question for you before PJ takes us into the quick rapid-fire segment that we do with all of our guests. I'm a Jets fan, and it has not been a fun year, to say oh, the least. God. And it hasn't been good for Giants fans oh, either. So sad. You seem like such a nice young man. I, wait a minute. Hold on now. Hold on a second. No, no. This, I think I can help you. Um, but, Therapy uh, session with Mike Lupica right yeah, now. No, you, just, you relax. We'll get to the lightning round in just a second. Okay. <laughs> now, the Jets thing. Okay, now I grew up in upstate New York. Okay, so I have a reason. You know, the Giants, that would back in when I was a kid, all you got was the Giants game on, on Sunday. Okay, I know it sounds like prehistoric times, but so I, I understand that. And now, as an adult, I've kind of, I've got, I've not switched allegiances, but I've, I've become a Packers fan just because I love Aaron Rodgers so much. Okay, but how did your Jets fandom begin? Was it a family thing? It's it's a family thing. I, I My dad's a diehard fan. I grew up in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, so... Uh, in and around it my whole life, and uh, I mean, there's there's no way out now. I mean, it's just no, it's just gonna be. Think you're screwed. <laughs> he is. No, 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 you're screwed because I looked at a picture with uh, Manish Mehta's column in the Daily News today, and there there are three people in that picture. One is Adam Gase, the outgoing coach. The other guy is Joe Douglas the general manager. And the other guy is Christopher Johnson. He's not really the owner because his, his dippy brother is the ambassador to the court of St. James in London. And I'm thinking if those are the guys who are going to save you, you're going to drown. Okay. <laughs> you're in the water. And, and even if they have a life preserver to throw you, they will throw it incomplete and probably <laughs> In the wrong direction. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll take, I'll take Joe Douglas. I'll take Joe Douglas, but we could throw those other two guys overboard. Okay, him either. You, you got to show me what he's done too. <laughs> he's had he's had twelve months, and he helped build the Eagles Super Bowl team. So I'll hang my hat on that for now. But he's got to right. start proving it. He's got to start proving you. it. <laughs> God bless you for being such an optimistic, glass capable uh, guy. Good for you. On, on the flip side with the Giants, uh, their situation is not a ton better. Uh, is no, there more of a path to, to better days for them? No, they hired the wrong general manager. Um, I, the, the coach seems like a nice young man, but they, they, you know, just because he interviewed well, they made him sound like the new Vince Lombardi. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about football. I, I actually wrote about this the other day. If you are wrong about a quarterback, and especially a quarterback, you take high up in the first round of the jab. You have set your program back years. And the only self-correct I've seen lately is the Arizona Cardinals decided they made a mistake, which they had with Josh Rosen. And they, they just they backed that idea. And now they've got Kyler Murray. I, I think Darnold has progress. I'm not ready to give up on Darnold. I think that, that, that Daniel Jones has promised but no fan of, of either of those teams can tell me that they're sure that they have the right guy to the point where they wouldn't really where, where they wouldn't think hard if they had a chance to get Trevor Lawrence next year. <laughs> Absolutely. So you're in the mindset that if the Jets or Giants have the number one overall pick, then you would absolutely take a look at taking Trevor number one. Well, I got I'd have, let the season play out. Okay. Right. But what I'm seeing is. I don't think, you know, Parcells always used to talk about how 
you see him in a, a, one of those yellow jackets someday. I, I, <laughs> I got to see a lot more. Daniel Jones has had more good moments than Sam Darnold, okay? And, and he seems like a nice kid. But any Giant or Jet fans who tells me they're sure about their quarterback, they're just blowing smoke at us. Right, right. All right, well, Mike, as Joe mentioned, we know you're pressed for time. So last thing we do with all our guests, we call it the Swift 7, seven rapid-fire questions for you, anything-go type questions. Question number one for you, what if, if you had to choose, what would you say is your favorite book that you've written? My favorite book that I've written, the one that changed my life was Travel Team. Um, and, and it just it got me into the world of writing for uh, young adult readers and middle graders. And that book, which is sold over, I think, a million copies, something, something crazy, it, it, it changed my life. Number two, who was your favorite author growing up? My favorite author growing up, and when I was little, was a, it's an unusual name, Claire B., an old basketball coach who wrote the Chip Hilton novels. And they were about a lot of the themes that I write about in my books for kids, apart from my mysteries, okay, which is friendship and loyalty and, and teamwork. And those were the books I read to my little boys before they could even read. So those, he was, he would, and then afterwards it became, once I read The Princess Bride, it's read Bill Goldman. I, I, that's, as I tell my kids all the time, it's one of the great stories in the history of stories. Number three, who is your favorite all-time athlete? Oh, boy, that, that okay. I, 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 have, I have a couple, okay? One is Arthur Ashe, who, okay. who was, was to, to paraphrase a line of the great Jimmy Cannon, Arthur was a credit to his race, the human race. But I'll tell you who I loved and I have an affinity for because he was on the Knicks team when I first moved to New York and, and started covering um, basketball, and that's Earl the Pearl Monroe. Mm. Michael was the main event. Michael and LeBron are the main event, okay? Sure. And, and, and if I had to pick one right now, I'd say LeBron. But, yeah, that, that's an eclectic list. But th those are my guys. Number four, what is the sporting event that you haven't been to that you would like to see one day? Oh, I, I have not. I have not gone to a Premier League uh, soccer game. Okay. Now, I've been in London a lot. I, I've been a lot of Wimbledon's. I've taken my kids to Wimbledon's, but my youngest son, especially, was a great high school soccer player. He made me come to love this sport. And yeah, I, I, I don't even care where it is, Chelsea <laughs> or Arsenal or Liverpool. I, I, I but I, it's on my bucket list for sure. Nice. Make it Liverpool. <laughs> that's my team, so, so that's, your, that's your best bet. Uh, number five, coolest celebrity you've gotten to meet, whether it's an athlete or not? I don't know if it's the coolest celebrity, but Larry David's a friend of mine. And it, <laughs> that's a good oh, one. that's a good one. <laughs> it sure is fun knowing him. He, he made me a line of dialogue in Seinfeld a long time ago, and, it, 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 and we have played golf together, and we text each other. Yeah, Larry David. It's a good one. You, t you talk to me about being a Jets fan. He's longer suffering than I, but. <laughs> yeah, but he's giving him up, though. He hates Woody Johnson now. Well, that's, that's a good thing. That's, that's in the boat of, of most of the fans. <laughs> Number six, favorite city you've been to? My favorite city? Is it, you mean inside or outside the United States? You can do both. Totally open. Yeah. One of each if you want. New York's the greatest city in the world, but I will tell you, I love London. I, 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 my, my kids and, and my wife know this. You could set me down anywhere in London and just say, we'll see you in a couple of hours. And I just start walking around and I'm completely happy. 
All right, last one. You made it through the Swift Seven. What is your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie of all time is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm. All right. Very nice. Well, Mike, we really appreciate it. We know you're busy writing a new book. Obviously, a lot of sports going on. Enjoy the baseball, all the football. It was really nice getting to talk to you. Stay oh, no, safe. It was, it, was really, it was really fun being with you guys. Good luck with this thing, okay? Keep at it. it, 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 it if it's good, the world's going to find it, and it, it may change your life. So you stay at it, okay? Appreciate it, Appreciate Mike. that yep. a lot. Go Jets. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Mike. Once again, the great Mike Lupica, kind enough to join us. Joe, I was going back and forth with him over email every couple weeks, and he was just so kind, saying how busy he was, but to stay after him. And finally, we were able to get about 15 to 20 minutes with him. It was great talking to him. And, I mean, he was right about a, a lot of things. The MLB postseason, he says Garrett Cole was brought to New York to win a game like he did against Bieber. And then he was talking about the NBA Finals, he was comparing the Heat-Lakers series that we have right now to the Lakers-Pistons series, which I thought was a pretty good Great comparison. Yeah. Great comparison. And, and uh, you know, it's just a shame, obviously, as we record this on Thursday. We saw the game last night. And you wonder about the status of Drajic and Bam. It looks like Goran maybe can go if – No, he's out. Is he out? He's out. out. Yeah, he tore his plantar fascia. He's out. Oh, okay. So he is out. Bam is still questionable for game two, but we see what happens. Joe, everybody's writing the series off, and we both like the Lakers to win, and I still think they will win. But I do think the Heat are going to keep it competitive. I mean, their, their team is deep. You saw Kendrick Nunn come off the bench yesterday, and he gave them a nice little spark. It's tough when one of your stars go out mid-game, and you have to adjust on the fly. The Lakers sense that, and they gain momentum. But you did see down the stretch at that game, the Lakers were in cruise control a little bit. Now, they did have a large lead, so they could afford to do it. But you just wonder if the Lakers, knowing that the Heat aren't at full strength, full strength if they, they take their foot off the gas pedal just a little bit, and maybe Miami can steal game two here and possibly make it a best-of-five series heading down the end of the, uh, the way. What do you think? As I'm looking at it, he tore his plantar fascia, which is confirmed. They're still holding out hope. Right. Uh, I think that's where I saw Woj was still saying. Holding, yeah. The, I, I'm seeing here they're comparing it to Joe Johnson. Uh, he, did, he tore his plantar fascia in game two of the 2013 first round. Uh, he went on to receive an injection, and he would play later in the series uh, per Bobby Marks. So I guess it's possible, but here torn plantar fascia and – even if he plays, he's going to be a shell of himself. Um, I don't think they keep it close. I thought this was a four or five game series written all over it. Now with the injuries, not hundred uh, percent hearing LeBron talk after last game that he was mad at his guys for even celebrating for as much as they were up late in the game after the game when they won, like he's locked in there. There is no doubt in my mind at this point that this is a sweep. I honestly do not really? see it. Don't even see the Heat competing in another game. Not even competing in another game. It's going to be three straight games, double-digit score lines, and, and that's about it. It's done. Uh, it's, it's absolutely done. Wow. Oh, I, I think Miami could win a game possibly too. I re- I, I no love- shot at two. Absolutely no shot at two. They'll win one if Hero and Robinson are just microwaves one night, but no shot they win two. I don't know. My team is a deep team. Now, they have a problem with Anthony Davis. A lot of teams do, but yeah. especially them. Um, especially if Bam isn't healthy. 
especially if Bam isn't healthy. But they, I mean, the Heat were off last night. Hero wasn't himself a little bit. Jimmy Butler did not play his best game. Jimmy Obviously, Butler picked up a knock, too, with his ankle. Yeah, he did. I just, Spolstra, I mean, we were all calling this guy the best coach in the NBA after the Celtics series. So I feel like just because one game the Heat blew, got blown out by the Lakers, even though they lost some guys, you can't discredit that. I, you know, I trust Spo is good enough to win one game, possibly two. If everything goes right, Spo has a great night. Hero goes off. Robinson goes off. They still might win by like four, maybe one game. But there's no shot this game, go, this series goes beyond five anymore. Not with the injuries. Zero. There have been too many times in this bubble where one team has totally gotten written off and then they've come back. But health was never twice. a question. Health was never a question for those teams where they were totally written off uh, and none of those teams were going up against the Lakers. It was teams that were healthy, teams that were going up against teams that they were either better than or evenly matched with. And it, it's never been a, a series where, there, where it was a total mismatch, first of all, and then second of all, you throw injuries into the mix. It's done. It's done. Right. Throw in the towel. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Game two tomorrow night. That should be uh, – yeah, we'll see if the Heat can make it any close and make that a series. Now, over to now, now if, health was, if health was there, Lupica, that the comparison he made to the Pistons series was spot on because that team didn't have any stars, Billups, Hamilton, Wallace. Uh, granted, they benefited a little bit because it was a Lakers fourth final in four years, kind of running out of gas with Kobe and Shaq and towards the end of that. Uh, so, so that played a role in it, but very spot on comparison that they don't really have a star. They were a hard nosed team and they just took it to the Lakers. But uh, this Lakers team, just stars of a line. We've talked about this. There's, there's no, oh, they're going to win. Yeah. I just yeah, think the Heat can, I, can make it competitive. With, if they were healthy, they, if they were fully healthy, I would say they'd win. A, they would win one game. No shot at winning two. We should see what happens. All right, college football talk now, Joe. Um, Mississippi State has to be the story from week one. Oklahoma, I mean, they, they, they lost an embarrassing game to Kansas State. No way around that. But the Big 12 stinks. I mean, let's just Big call, terrible. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. Texas is the only team left that hasn't lost a game um, other than Baylor, but they just beat Kansas in their first game. So Texas is really the last shot maybe for the Big 12 to get into the playoff. We'll see what happens with Oklahoma. They're going to have to at least run the table to give themselves a shot. But you feel like those are really the only two teams left with the chance. we got to talk about Mississippi State, though, because Mike Leach, we talked about it last week. What hey, a storyline. I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up, and it's my fault for not bringing it up. I had a conversation with one of my friends from Maryland through text where we kind of have our own little pool that we uh, just, just amongst ourselves, friendly bet between the two of us where we pick a few games every week, including one lock of the week and one upset of the week. I was texting them all week. I was between Syracuse uh, and Syracuse. Did I say yeah, Syracuse and Mississippi State as my outright upset of the week. Um, and he thought I was nuts for even considering Mississippi State. But first game for LSU, new quarterback after everything last year. Mike Leach is a madman. He's got KJ Costello now, so he's got SEC talent, a legit quarterback. Uh, that game had at least a close game and all over it. And I thought about pulling the trigger on Mississippi State outright upset. They are going to be a dangerous, fun team to watch. Well, this year, but then in the upcoming years when Leach gets his guys, because he's been in Pullman, Washington, and Lubbock, Texas. Now he's in the SEC. He's in Starkville, but he's in the SEC. And we saw the guys that Dan Mullen was able to bring there. 
I promise you there are recruits around the country watching that offense, uh-huh. quarterbacks going like, I get to throw the ball 70 times a game, receivers thinking I get to catch the ball 15 times a game. He's going to get his recruits. His teams have always been able to play complementary defense, and being in the SEC, he's going to get some studs on defense. So I think Mike Leach, man, it could turn Mississippi State into something. LSU, that was the worst possible matchup they could have gotten, and especially once Stingley went down. I mean, week one, that because you're watching tape from him at other schools, and until you truly see it in person – I just don't think you can truly account for all the moving parts that Leach has in his offense. I will say this, Joe. I think the one thing that will hurt Mike Leach from turning Mississippi State into a championship-level program is the fact that his teams just can't run the ball. At a certain point, you have to be able to run the ball. He'll put up points on everybody. They'll score touchdowns. They'll be competitive. But it's what's plagued him his whole career – when it comes down to it, you have to be able to run the football, and his teams just never have been able to. So because of that, I think his ceiling will always be 9-3, and 10-2, and two, but he won't win the big games. It's, it's possible. Uh, I think we'll have to see as he gets his recruits in. Now, you wonder, he's been a guy who has adapted his offenses. He's tweaked things. He's continued to evolve. Is that the next step in his evolution, now being an SEC country, now knowing he's going to have to do some things differently? If he has that talent, if he has a good running back recruit that he brings in, as he scheme things up to get him more involved, we're going to have to wait and see how he evolves mentally with his offense. Um, but until we see that evolution, I think you're right. That is going to hold him back until we see him uh, kind of just break out of the mold a little bit where it's only air raid, air raid, air raid. Yep. And, you know, in the SEC, even we saw at LSU last year, as incredible as their passing game was, they could go to Clyde whenever they want and still exactly. pick up uh, rushing yards. Now, we look ahead to this week in college football, and we, we got some good matchups. SEC especially, Auburn-Georgia is the marquee game of the week. We got Bama-Texas A&M. Oklahoma-Iowa State is a sneaky good game out of the Big 12. Um, going over the schedule here, those are really the big three that stick out. Um, Auburn, Georgia. Georgia looked horrendous last week, um, especially in the first half against Arkansas. They warmed down in the second half, looked better, but that first half was nothing special. They're saying JT Daniels is going to play this week for Georgia, which should help. It's a reason why they're favored by six and a half at home. Joe, you said you and your buddy have an upset pick every week. Is Auburn in the mix for an upset special? Auburn is not in the mix for an upset (laughs) special this week, but, uh, I'm looking forward to that game. I think especially, like you mentioned, if JT Daniels is there, it changes a lot of things. Oh, Miss is possibly my upset special. I like the way they looked for the first half yes. against Florida. Uh, Lane Kiffin kind of starting to, uh, you know, after one week, fix some things, get into to the next week, add some dangerous weapons on offense. The defense held for a while, and then just things kind of started to snowball from there. So that's another sneaky good game in, in Ole Miss, Kentucky, and I think Ole Miss could pull off the upset. But – uh, other than that, I mean, there was really no upset that stuck out to me this week. And um, there are, like you said, a lot of really good games. Uh, another one, even in, in the ACC, like I, I'm not saying Virginia comes even close, but I'm excited to watch Clemson, Virginia, just because we might actually see Trevor Lawrence for four quarters for the first time this year. Uh, <laughs> I'm playing the Citadel. Isn't I, think, I think Virginia can at least keep it close enough. So we see four quarters of Trevor Lawrence. So I got my eye on Clemson, Virginia just for that. And 
for the 28-point spread, at least that'll be in the question probably until late in that game. But uh, uh, no shot, obviously. I want to make that clear of Virginia winning it. Uh, I'm just looking at that game to finally watch Trevor Lawrence play four quarters. Trey Lance also playing his only game of the season this week in North Dakota State. So I'm looking forward to to keeping an eye on that game as well. How many scouts are going to have their eyes glued? All of them. All of them. true. All of them will have their eyes glued. Um, Yeah, man. Auburn, Georgia, I don't know. Six and a half almost seems too big because of how they looked against Arkansas. But then again, it it almost seems right. I feel like, again, we talked about in the NFL, the overreactions to week one. And Georgia started to get their feet under them in that second half. Auburn played a good game against Kentucky. They got some nice breaks in there. But uh, Kirby Smart has had Auburn's numbers since he's been head coach there. Um, They got Bama coming up in a couple weeks. So they know they can't lose this game because if they lose to Auburn and then lose to Bama, they likely are out of the playoffs. So I I think they take care of business against Auburn at home. And Um, it was officially reported that Bam and Dragic are both doubtful for game two. So if they're going to win one game for you, it's not going to be game two. You have to look to three and four. So you're already running out of options. <laughs> on Miami. Let's go. Um, all right. NFL talk now, Joe. And now you got to start with the Titan Steelers because that is the biggest story of the week. Um, 31 other teams are watching very closely at the Tennessee situation. The game's postponed. Yes. Uh, fortunately, scheduling wise uh, of all the possibilities, this one doesn't really hurt the NFL because it's a very easy fix. Week seven, the Titans have a bye week. The Ravens and Steelers are playing. Week eight, the Ravens and Steelers both have a bye. So what they're going to almost certainly do is just push Ravens-Steelers from week seven to week eight. Correct. Steelers will play the Titans in week seven. So it's yes. a very easy fix scheduling-wise. There's yep. no crazy moving parts. So that's and, fine. And the best that's news it. so far is that Minnesota, it looks like, hasn't – really yes. contracted much, which is great. That's all, obviously something we were so curious about with football. Four is, days it, out, exactly. Yes. Four days out, so, nobody's tested positive. So Minnesota's in the clear. Right. Uh, the refereeing team from the game in the clear. So everything's good in that aspect. But we saw it in baseball early in the year with the Marlins, then with the Cardinals. And then we never really saw it again after that. Yeah. So I'm not saying you needed the first one to get out of the way, but getting the first one out of the way – does help the rest of the league because now the Titans could basically tur- come r- tur- turn around and say, here's what happened. Here's how we handled it. Here's how we move forward. And now the rest of the NFL has that blueprint. It was always the not if, but when this happens and then how will we respond to it? And Correct. the Titans are now laying the groundwork for that and the rest of the league paying close attention. So hopefully this is a, a one and done sort of thing. Doubt it. Uh, it's probably going to come up again at some point in the season. But at least we've seen how it's handled. It hasn't been a big issue so far, at least. And it continues to seem like they dodged something more major. Uh, but, again, it, it was just a reminder of how this year is going to go and that the first three weeks being clean uh, were fortunate, not necessarily going to be the norm. And we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, no, definitely. The first three weeks, I mean, they got by unscathed. It was nothing. And that was great. Um, but – like you said, what's great about this is that it's an easy schedule fix. So, you know, you do everything you just said, which I'm sure they will, and then they should be back on track. Um, we'll talk about our two teams. We've got to talk about the Monday night game, Ravens-Chiefs. Then we got the game of the year, Jets-Broncos tonight. Yes, yes. So, 
Um, look, Ravens Chiefs, I'll say this. The Ra- I mean, because there's been so much talk now about how nobody's going to beat the Chiefs. Everybody, most people thought the Ravens were the best team in football. And after which the Chiefs was did to them. Ridiculous. There now, was no now way, there's are. no way the Chiefs should have been money line dogs in that game with no fans. No way. Well, I thought that Chris Collinsworth made such a good point on the Packers-Saints game. And the biggest advantage with no fans always credits the great quarterback. When Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson go on the road and they don't have to deal Absolutely. with crowd noise, I, I mean, how, like, how are you going to stop? There's a reason the Packers have scored 40 points a game in each of their first three games. So I thought that was a great point Collinsworth made. I'll say this about the Ravens. The Ravens can beat the Chiefs, but there are two things that they have to do. They have to stop trying to unleash Lamar like he's Mahomes when they face each other because he'll never be Mahomes. He was never Mahomes, and he will never be Mahomes. You ran the ball for 60 yards on the first drive of the game. You got to second and three and third and three, and you threw it both times. You had to settle for a field goal. Your second drive, you ran it for 12 yards. It got negated by a penalty. You were then first and 20. You started to throw, throw, throw. You had to punt, and the game was over. Until the Ravens run, run, run against the Chiefs, which I don't understand why isn't that the blueprint, because you do it against the rest of the league when you're 21-1 and one against every other team not named the Chiefs. But for whatever reason, the Ravens try to match up Lamar with Mahomes when he's just simply not that. But here's the other thing on top of that, and this is the argument that I have with our esteemed movie critic, uh, Ryan Warmly, that... Whenever Lamar has a deficit, first of all, they need to continue running the ball and not abandon the run. No question. First, that's the first thing. So that 1, is not Lamar's percent. One thousand. Beyond beyond that, Lamar simply cannot do it. He is he as great as he is. He is never going to be that guy who can just sit back like Mahomes. It's not a, it's not a knock on Lamar. It's just a praise of guys like. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. He's never going to be a guy who can just sit back there and all of a sudden throw the ball 50 times. His success in the passing game is built on his success in the running game. If he's not putting the ball in Mark Ingram's chest, pulling it out, and then hitting Mark Andrews up the seam, he's not as effective. Every time that they've lost in an important game with Lamar at quarterback, it's been the same blueprint every single time. Right. They lost to the Niners that game, right? No, they lost to the Chargers in the playoffs. Sorry. Yes, the they lost Titans, to the Chargers in the playoffs, and then the Chiefs three times. Yes, the the Niners game that was just another close game. The right. Bills game last year, another close game. So that's what I meant to say. Two, the other close, the other times that they've nearly lost, those teams have been able to stop the run, not be afraid of the pass, and move right. forward. The games right. they've lost against the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Titans, they've fallen behind. They've become one dimensional, and it takes away that putting the ball in Ingram's chest, pulling it out, hitting Andrews up the seam. That's, that play can't be stopped. Correct. Because you don't know if it's going to be Andrews up the seam, Ingram running over left tackle, Lamar pulling it and running it, Lamar pitching it to Gus Edwards. There's so much that can happen out of that. But when they have to abandon that, it's not as effective. And the other thing is they just don't – this was a mistake in the draft this past year. Not necessarily a mistake. Patrick Queen was a pick they needed, a pick they went for but their mistake was not going out and adding another legit receiver. Duvernay is a fun piece. He returned the kick for a touchdown. He's a good, fast slot guy. But they also need a legit go-to receiver 
like a DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying it's got to be that kind of guy. But even, right. take a, even take a Michael Gallup from the Cowboys, for example. Just a guy who's a big body. can You can throw anything on the route tree to him. No, I agree. Rely on him. You need that because Hollywood Brown is not that. So in the games where they fall behind like this, that's what you need to help. But I think that's why when you say Lamar can't do it, I think a big part of it is his personnel. Oh, I don't think he'll be able to do it even when he has the personnel because I don't think – I think he can. I, I've I watched Lamar seen, enough in the two-minute drill to know I, when and, he and can I, throw. He can I think throw. we've seen it in the Titans game, in the Chargers game, uh, in the Chiefs games. When the teams have dared him to throw is when he's missed the throws right. because he just doesn't have that capability uh, to, to be a Mahomes or a Watson. Again, right. incredible otherworldly player. That's just not in his toolbox yet. He could develop it, and if he develops it, forget it. Um, no stopping him. But he doesn't have it yet, and he hasn't shown signs of developing yet. Maybe it changes with the personnel, but he doesn't have it yet. So they do have to make sure they go get that personnel. That's why I didn't really consider them uh, as a team that could knock off the Chiefs yet. On their best day, on the Chiefs' worst day, sure. But on paper, eight times out of ten, seven times out of ten, I'm going with the Chiefs in, in that matchup. Uh, I'm going probably with uh, some of the teams out in the NFC over the Ravens just because when it's come time for the big games, it's not there. As, as great as the stats are in efficiency, in terms of the numbers themselves, you kind of have to separate what he's done and what that offense has done in games against the Bengals and the Dolphins and regular season games that haven't meant anything, the Browns. You know, yeah, but he's separate. beat the best teams in the league. He just he hasn't has. beaten the Chiefs. He just hasn't beaten the Chiefs. He hasn't really beaten the best teams in the league. He's handily. won at he, Seattle. He, he beat New England. He beat San Francisco. He beat Buffalo. He beat the Rams on Monday night. Um, killed he, the Rams. He's the Rams he's last year. He beat the Texans the Rams, twice. He's the Rams the last year. You're not naming anything that's changed in my mind. The Rams last year were a shell of themselves. The Texans last year were nothing, and we're seeing that now. The Steelers last year had Duck Hodges at quarterback. Uh, so none of that is impressive. The Seahawks win, impressive. The Niners-Bills games, those were a couple bounces either way. Game could have gone either way. And then they lost to the Chargers. They've lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Titans. When it counts, they haven't been able to do it. I, we never right. saw it. We never saw it. But if they would have played the Patriots again, I think that uh, the regular season game would have been uh, kind of erased from memory because Might have been. after the fact, after the fact, you know how Bill Belichick is. Sure. After the fact, a lot of people the next day, Monday morning quarterbacking, were going through it and saying and showing Bill's defense looked nothing like a Patriots defense, not in the way they played, but in the schemes that were run. And everybody started kind of raising the question, all right, does Bill have a package to throw at Lamar that he, he was ready to throw away this regular season game and save it for a possible playoff matchup. Uh, I think we'll never know, but that could have been a possibility. So, it, again, it goes back. I'm not, I'm not impressed with the way he's looked against a good team. He barely squeaked by the Niners. He barely squeaked by the Bills. The Seahawks game, all right, the Rams game, you've, those games that you mentioned don't impress me. Those teams weren't good last year. Those teams were league average last year. We're talking 2019, not 2020. If he did that against the 2020 Rams, if he did that against the 2020 Steelers, not the 2020 Texans. The 2020 Texans are also as bad as the 2019 Texans. But he did it this year, different story. When he does it against the Steelers this year, different story. Uh, but those aren't impressive feats last year. And, and that's 
where I think people, especially you and, and Worm being Ravens fans, lose the argument. You, uh, you, I lose sight of the argument, excuse me. It's not an indictment of Lamar. It's an indictment of the offense and the fact that as great as they are, they are stat padding against teams that aren't really going to ever see them when it counts. And I just, when they come I totally up disagree teams, with you on so when many they've things. come up against the good teams, they haven't done it. They haven't done it. Joe, they're twenty-one and one against every team not named the Chiefs. Twenty-one and matter. one doesn't matter. Twenty-one doesn't matter. and one does not matter. I don't care about the record. I'm caring about how they performed, and they have not performed well against good teams. They haven't done it. That's just not true either. I mean, all those teams, whether it's the NFL, the the average margin of defeat is three i don't care whether they beat the, the niners but they beat the all niners right, all right, by all right. six. i didn't want to have to do this but i'm gonna do it <laughs> we're gonna go game by game last year week one dolphins terrible team week two cardinals terrible team week three lost against the chiefs week four lost against the browns week five beat by three the it's steelers who by th- beat i don't care about the win I, we're talking about you are, That's why are, you play them. We are talking about this team being able to beat the good teams when it counts. Beat the good they, teams. Beat the good. You just said beat the good teams. Beat the good teams when it counts. But they're not even beating. They're, when they're playing the good teams, they are barely winning or but not it's winning. It's a win. It's a win. Just put the Steelers, I'm, still, I'm continuing to go here. <laughs> the Steelers, the Steelers, not a good team last year. Right, they were not. Three. The Bengals. Yeah. Terrible team last year, worse in the league, beat them by six. After that, the Seahawks, great win, two touchdowns on the road. Give you that one. Okay. After that, off a of bye week, beat the Patriots, give you that one. Okay. Then again, Bengals, horrible team. Texans, horrible team. Ra- uh, Rams Texans last year. were six and three when they played them. The they Texans were the third last best team year, in the AFC when Texans they played last, them. If you think the Texans last year were good, then I don't know what to tell you. I got some beachfront property to sell you in Nebraska. Same thing with the Rams who they beat the following week. Then the Niners squeaked by by three. The Bills squeaked by by a touchdown. Well, a they're lot of winning. people thought the Niners they're were the best winning. team in football. They're the winning. Bills, they're the winning Bills were coming off Thanksgiving. They had yes. three extra days to prepare, and the Ravens were coming off a Monday night game. They're winning, which is all that matters. But I'm just saying, pump the brakes on this team that is uh, unstoppable against any other team who's not the Chiefs because their resume wins are wins, but it's not like they were out here just demolishing all these other they teams. They were. Last year, they were, they were demolishing them. I just went through it. They didn't demolish any other good team. They demolished plenty of good teams. All right. I, I mean, they, they demolished plenty of good teams. I mean, if you Look, think we'll Rams, never agree on this. I that, see what you're you coming Ram, from. If you think the Rams and the Texans were good last year and the Steelers were good last year, I don't know what to tell you. Being an NFL you. team by 40 points, that doesn't impress you? I don't care whether they were playing the Jets or whether they were playing – San Francisco. I'm not saying it doesn't impress me. I'm not saying it doesn't impress me. I'm saying they're not doing it against the good teams. Those teams weren't good last year. They they were beating the good teams. They don't have to beat the good teams by 40. They're beating them. That's all you have to do. PJ, you missed the (laughs) point. I'm not saying that they are struggling against – I'm I'm not saying that they're not beating the good teams. They're beating the good teams. But I'm saying we're acting like these Ravens are invincible. They are squeaking by razor's edge the good teams with a bounce either way. So it's not something where it's this team is unbeatable. Why can't they figure out the Chiefs? This team has cracks. 
and struggled against teams last year that they shouldn't have as well and squeaked by the good team. It's not like they are pacing the field where we should be surprised, like, oh, why can't they get past the Chiefs? That's all. That's all I'm saying. You're so wrong on this, but it's okay. We got to move right. on. All right. You got to move fan. on. You're the Ravens fan, so Look, one of I, us is biased. I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I do. I get what you're saying. My other point in the Ravens-Chiefs game, if they're ever going to beat the Chiefs, they have to change their philosophy and how Absolutely. they play defense. You cannot blitz Mahomes as much as they do. You have to rush four. You have to hope that you get home with four guys, and then in the secondary, you have to just make plays, but you can't continue to blitz them. This and then, all right, we got your Jets Broncos game this week. Oh, I'll, I'll let you have this one. Do you think the Jets can win? The line care. has swung in their favor. I hope they don't. Yeah. I don't really care. I mean, it's <laughs> well, Gay's likely will be fired if they lose. So. Hopefully, hopefully, we will but see what happens. I, just, um, I can't believe I still can't believe that. And, it, and it's, I've had this argument with not argument, I've had this discussion with non Ravens fans. And anytime that I've had this discussion with non-Ravens fans who also follow every game of the league, it's a normal discussion. But whenever I have it with Ravens fans, it's the end of the world. Look, it's, it's got to be because you guys are homers. It has to be. I just know how they – when they're at their best, nobody has shown me that they can beat them. They have not played the Chiefs at their best running the ball like they do versus every other team. When the Ravens are at their best, they have never been beaten. Against but the Titans, they didn't. Other good, uh, the other best teams in the league. The other best teams in the league have stopped them. That's, you know, you t- just to use a quick little analogy here, Shane Bieber won the pitching triple crown and is going to win the Cy Young. But he played this year with the, with the scheduling quirks. He played the Royals. He played uh, a ton against sure. all these the Tigers, the Pirates, right. the Tigers. Right. Right. So then he goes up against the Yankees in right. the Shark Tank and got his ass eaten and was just totally destroyed. Now, say, that's what is reminding me of the Ravens. They're feasting on any team that's good to bad. Whenever they're going up teams that are in their weight class or uh, just above their weight class, which I think the Chiefs are, they're squeaking it out, and, you, and you're seeing an even matchup. They're not a team that is going to run away from the league. They're not. I, I, Never expect right, right. Them. They're not. They're not going to run away from the league, especially the Chiefs. But yeah. I, I think you know you're. I'm putting... just saying. My thing is just there should not have been a surprise Monday night. The I'm looking at Twitter, and anybody who's not a Ravens fan was like, okay, Ravens fans are acting shocked, like this was some uh, revelation. Was not like, shocked. I mean, I thought you we could lose. Maybe you weren't. I thought we could lose. Ravens fans sure. were acting shocked, like, oh my goodness. How can we keep losing to the Chiefs like this? What is wrong with us? It's just that you guys aren't that team against teams when you're play, playing in your weight class. That's all. And what I'm saying is until the Ravens play their style of game, when they're running the ball, if they play like they did on that first drive of the game and the Chiefs still beat them like they did, well, I'll the get That's the thing. They can't do that against the top teams because they're not going to be able to – Get a well, they 14, just don't do it. They, it's not that they can't. They just stop doing it. I told you in the Titans game, if Lamar, if that pass doesn't go off of Mark Andrews' hands and Tennessee picks it off, they go down, score a touchdown, they're playing their brand of ball the rest of the game, and they don't lose because they have the just, lead. And it's just a very and, – and to that point, it's just a very dangerous style to play. You're essentially saying, like it was for the Titans last year, unless you get a lead – 
they have no shot. And that's but what Joe, they're them. 21 that's what, and 1. That's what separates them from the other. And that's fine. They're not, they're not Russell, the Chiefs. Russell Wilson for the Seahawks, even Dak Prescott. Look at last week. Now the Falcons are a choke artist. But do you think the Ravens are coming back like that in a game like that? No. Right. Because Lamar can't just sit back and. But are they losing? But like, are they behind like that to like any that. team but the Chiefs? That's the been, thing. They have had troubles against good teams. They have. They, they beat those teams, though. They beat them. Oh. In the big games against the good teams, they have had the troubles, and they are squeaking by. They are not a team like the Chiefs who can run away from the league. It's as simple as that. I'm not comparing them to the Chiefs. When They are two different teams. That's what makes it such a great matchup is because the Ravens will never do what the Chiefs do, and the Chiefs will never do what the Ravens do. That's what makes it unique. What I'm saying is the one time that the Ravens played their game against the Chiefs was the first ever matchup between Lamar and Mahomes. And they still lost. <laughs> and it took a miracle fourth down pass from Mahomes. They still beat them, but according to your logic of, oh, they just scrapped by them, well, they just squeaked by them at home, and it took a fourth down miracle. And that was when Lamar wasn't established yet as a much better passer than what he was. They just have to make sure they get out into a lead at any important game they play. And even if they do, even if they do, the good teams can and will come back on them. What? You, got, you got Lamar 0-6 whenever he's faced a 10-point deficit. You've got Pat Mahomes who has won six straight when trailing by 10 or more at half. That and that's is, what's going to separate the Ravens from a team like the Chiefs. That's fine. Well, we will see what happens the rest <laughs> of the year. I love my team. I think losing on Monday night was the best thing that could have happened for them. Good spin I, zone. Good I, spin think, zone. I, think, I think they'll bounce back accordingly. That was a good – that was really like the first real Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman debate that we've like had. <laughs> that was good stuff. All right, Joe, we got best bets and trivia now. Um, all right, I'm going to let you go first for all five years and just pick the opposite. <laughs> you're, I'm 2-13. Joe, I, I, was, look, not. I, was, I was 1 and 4 this week, so I can't talk. But you were 0-5, oh so even in a 1-4 and four week, I still beat you. <laughs> so, I don't think you realize I could not go 2-13 and 13 even if I wanted to try. If you're betting against the spread and you have a 50-50 shot, you could not try and go 2-13. You, you, you can't do it. It's honestly, it's impressive it's, at this point. It's, I would say it's honestly hard and impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. All right, so best bets of the week. It's best bets for Joe. It's PJ's. I'm eight and seven. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still on the good side. You're, here. you're still on the good side. Okay, Joe. I'm giving out my five picks, so just do the opposite. <laughs> Pick number five is Bills versus Raiders this week. I got the Bills minus three. The best stat. One of the best stats in betting is that the team coming off of playing New England, once Belichick gives you the blueprint on how to stop them, teams are 60% against the spread against that team the next game. Hmm. Darren Waller had two catches for nine yards. We know Belichick always loves to take away your best option. He does it better than anybody. That's why he's the GOAT. But I do think the Bills have such a good coaching staff. They will see what New England did, maybe put Tredavious White on Waller. Nonetheless, I think they take him away. They limit Josh Jacobs. And it's been well documented how well Josh Allen has been playing. Again, it was the Jets and the Dolphins the first two weeks. He was great against the Rams for most of that game. Second half, he definitely struggled a little bit. But I do like the Bills, especially at the number. If they win by a field goal, you get the push. So I like both of them. 
That's not a bad pick, and that's a really good stat as far as uh, uh, the Belichick thing. Wouldn't have even thought about that. Before I make my pick, just want to make a point here about reverse line movement. Yes, go by it most of the time, but sometimes you have to just step back and look at it. You mentioned it in week one with the Bills <laughs> and the Jets. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it was clear as day that the Jets were not coming within two touchdowns of that game. Um, this past week, there was reverse line movement in the Bucks broncos game. And I'm sitting here saying to myself, okay, you're just making this easier for me by shortening the spread for the Bucks. Sometimes you just have to look at it and think of it from a football perspective. There was no way in hell the Broncos were coming close to the Bucks in that game. They were starting a backup quarterback. Yes, they had to go to Rippon during the game, but was the difference between Driscoll and Rippon anything? Nothing. No, it was no. No, nothing at all. The right. defense for the Broncos has not been good. The running game hasn't been there. The Bucks are only getting better each week. So – just wanted to make that note about reverse line movement. Sure, in some game, you know, if it's a, if it's a week eight game, uh, Packers, Bears, divisional matchup, and you think conventional wisdom has got to be on the Packers uh, minus six and a half, and then all of a sudden you get the reverse line movement. All right, think about it there. But when it's a game like that, just let your eyes tell you what's going to happen. Same thing like with the Jets in week one against the Bills. Let your eyes and your knowledge tell you what's going to happen. It's it's something where sure maybe seven out of ten times it, it'll go your way, but use your brain and, and pick out those three and don't just blindly follow the reverse line movement ten times out of ten. Um, anyway, now that that's out in the open. Oh, also don't also be scared by certain big lines like last week when you were scared of the of the Colts oh. eleven and a half against but the Jets. But see, we were texting. And I told you, and I told you it, regardless of of the couple of picks that killed the Jets, the that game. That game should have been 50-something to seven. They put Brissett in for the whole fourth quarter. So while there were a couple things that the Jets could have done earlier on, all it would have meant was the Colts would have played it into the fourth quarter, and it would have been an even uglier bloodbath than it was. I said I would have been comfortable with that game all the way up to 17. Lord knows what the spread is going to be in a few weeks when the Chiefs and the Jets play. Holy crap. Is that uh, game in Kansas City? Not like it matters, but is it in I don't Kansas think it City? matters. I think it's in Kansas City, but I don't think it matters. Um, but – like when that when that week comes around, if it's anything That'll other be 20 than twenty and a half, if if it's, right if it's this side of twenty three and a half, I mean I'm taking the Chiefs all the way up to twenty four. I'm taking the Chiefs in that game. There's no number too big for certain teams. Now to my number five pick of the week, uh, I'm going the college rank because last week I didn't have any college picks, so I wanted to go back to the college ranks to start off this week and little little action here that you know college on the road but is it really the road like normal Oklahoma giving seven on the road against Iowa State I think they if they want any chance of salvaging this and going on a run and cracking the college football playoff after that loss this past week Oklahoma has to start with coming out and just demolishing Iowa State on the road and getting on track and I think they do that I think they win this game by two three touchdowns so I'll take Oklahoma minus seven I've, I've looked at that game for a while, and interestingly enough, Oklahoma lost to Kansas State the year before, and Iowa State was the team they got the, the uh, following week, and they beat them by one. Yeah. So I think that's a lot of the reason, too, why that game is minus seven. A lot of people think Iowa State's a pretty good team, but that's a, that's a no play for me. I would be on Oklahoma, though, as well for the bounce back. I'm going to college as well, going to the Big 12 as well. My number four pick of the week. Texas Tech plus two and a half against Kansas State. I think because Kansas State beat Oklahoma again, and if they win by a field goal, then you're a winner on Kansas State. I feel like a lot of people will be on them. 
Texas Tech should have beaten Texas last. I mean, they should have beaten them. So I think they'll respond well. I think they'll play Kansas State tough. And I'm taking the two and a half. I, I would take the points because, you know, again, like we saw in the Texas-Texas Tech game, it could be a late two-point conversion. It could be the difference or something. So I got the Red Raiders plus two and a half. I'm going back to the NFL for the other four picks here. That was the only game that I really wanted to hit on for college. Uh, start with the Saints on the road against the Lions. The Saints are minus four. The Lions haven't been bad. They went on the road. They beat the Cardinals. Um, but I just cannot, for the life of me, see the Saints losing three in a row. And four is not a number that really scares me. Sure, they could come out and the Lions could backdoor cover and lose by three. Uh, but I feel pretty good about four. And you, you see four as obviously a common number in the league all the time. So worst case, maybe you get a push. Uh, but Saints have lost two in a row. Uh, they looked fine, and they looked like they were going to win that two weeks in a row. They looked good, looked like they were yeah. going to go on to win, and then they blew it. Uh, if not for the Taysom Hill fumble against the Packers, I think the Saints win that game. They, they, things were going their way. So it's not like they've been playing poorly. Uh, they just haven't been playing timely is the way I'd put it. Not poorly, but they haven't been playing timely football. I think the Saints come up, come out, clean everything up. Michael Thomas is questionable. Whether he does or doesn't, I like that minus four. I'm back to the NFL as well, my number three pick. I got Eagles plus seven against the 49ers. Eagles are 0-2-1, but they're only a half game out of the NFC East. So they still got a whole lot to play for. San Francisco, everybody was on the Giants last week, including you, because of how decimated their team was. And I just feel like now after that performance against the Giants, maybe people don't think the Eagles are that much better than the Giants. And I think a lot of people think that the Niners will steamroll the Eagles at home. The Eagles are a pretty good road primetime team. I remember last year when they went to Lambeau and beat the Packers on a Thursday night when they were struggling to start the season, they needed that game. The Eagles know that they need this game. At the very least, I think they keep it close. Seven's a big number. And because it's seven and not six and a half, you get the push with the touchdown. I like Philly. Plus seven. All right. Uh, like I said, all the rest of mine are in the NFL. I stay with another road favorite. Uh, Cardinals at the Panthers. Only a three-point spread. Now, I think this is a big overreaction to the Panthers going on the road and beating the Chargers which I thought last week had upset special written all over it mm -hmm. because the chargers don't impress me. I think Herbert only came out and performed as well as he did against the chiefs because there's no, the time. He, there's no film on them. They're preparing for an offense run by Tyrod Taylor. And then not only was Herbert in there with no film on him, but they ran a totally different offense with concepts. They had never run with Tyrod because they wanted to try to make it as easy for Herbert as they could. Now with a week of tape and, being able to prepare for Herbert, you saw what more of what he was in that matchup against the Panthers. And his numbers, he, he, he again ended up over 300 yards, but on 50 attempts, turned the ball over a few times. So uh, it didn't really impress me too much with the Panthers. And still, and still, they barely hung on. And if that hook and ladder, if the pitch was executed on it, it was set up perfectly. Eckler would have had a walk-in touchdown, and the, char and the Panthers still would have lost that game. The Cardinals look really good the first couple of weeks. It looked fine against the Lions. Same thing like the Saints. It wasn't poor football. It wasn't timely football, though. And I think they go on the road. No fans. The Panthers' defense is still a sieve, and the Cardinals' offense is still really good. Three points doesn't scare me. 
Cardinals minus three on the road against the Panthers. I like Cardinals too, and especially coming off a home loss. Always like that teams coming Uh-oh. off a home loss for the bounce back. Um, well, look, I normally don't like. Oh, start again. We were frozen for a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are we back now? You think? Yeah, we're back. We're back. So we're still recording. Okay, cool. Um, now my number two. I normally don't like betting my team, but. This week is just a tough spot to pass it up. Again, coming off a home primetime loss, everybody's talking about how overrated the Ravens are. We just got into a big disagreement about them against teams, but we both agree that they do handle they their kill business. They kill the bad teams. They kill the bad teams. And Washington's out, Chase Young. They're out, Matt Ioannidis. So the strength of their team is now gone. And their offense is not pretty outside of Terry McLaurin. They won't be able to run the ball against the Ravens' front. This has 38-7 written all over it. Lamar's going to play pissed off. They're going to run the ball. They're going to kill Washington. Minus 13, Ravens number two. All right, number two for me. I'm sticking with close spreads with the favorites. Cowboys minus four and a half at home against the Browns. Now, Dallas, one of the few places where you do have some still home field advantage, 25,000 fans. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, The Browns, I think, I think this line is an overreaction to, again, like the Panthers for the last couple of weeks. They came out, they beat the Bengals, kind of a close game. They came out the following week. They, uh, they, they beat up late on the Redskins, close for much of the early portions of that game. Yep. Really a Jekyll and Hyde team, this Browns team, going on the road against the Cowboys, a team that is one and two, and – Obviously not the desperation like you talked about last week. You love week three because oh and two teams are, are going to come out and not not that desperate. They're not zero and two. They're one and two. But the perception around them is they one, should be zero and three. One and two, but should be zero and three. No doubt. On the flip side of that, one and two could easily be zero and three. All the games have been three close. and zero. All the game, exactly. All the games have been close, and yeah. they could very easily be three and zero. Uh, I think they're going to really flex their muscles in this game. The, the Browns' defense, I think, is going to come out and struggle a bit here. They gave up too much for my liking against Washington, and they gave up too much for my liking against Joe Burrow. This Cowboys offense has been electric, and I think the Cowboys could win this game by double digits. So I, I like the Cowboys minus four and a half. Well, the Browns are my upset special of the week, so now you even have to feel better about even your better. I feel, even better about I'm your I'm gonna, I'm gonna go However much money, money you're going to have on them, put more on, on, on the Cowboys. So double there you go. My number one play of the week, I'm going to college, Joe. I'm going to LSU. Lay the big number, minus 21 against Vandy. Week one, you talked about how it was so much of a good spot that against them because of just the new quarterback, Stingley was out, all the hype surrounding them, and would Ed Orgeron turn them into another juggernaut, and Mike Leach in Mississippi State comes in there to take care of business. I think LSU bounces back in a huge way this week. Vandy almost beat Texas A&M. They were 30-point dogs, and they lost by five. I think a lot of people will look at that and be like, oh, maybe Vandy isn't as horrible as we thought they were. But I, I just I love LSU this week. I think they're going to kill Vanderbilt. Texas A&M isn't an offense capable of blowing teams out. That's why that 30 was a – was an auspicious number, but LSU minus 21, I like, I like the Tigers in that spot. All right, PJ, I've done it once already. Yeah, once. I've done it once already in best bets where I've gone with a parlay. Yeah. And I'm going to do it again. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. Um, I love – you talk, it's already one of your picks, the Ravens minus 13. 
Uh, I love the Rams minus 13 as well at home against the Giants. The Giants at home just got demolished by uh, I liked how I liked how they put it on ESPN radio I, th- I forget if it was Keyshawn Johnson or Jay Will on their new uh show with Zuba Mahenti in the mornings one of them called them the, they were playing the 39ers this week because they had so many people out it wasn't the 49ers, 49ers. But, <laughs> and, and they still got demolished at That's home funny. uh I, and now they got to go west coast against a Rams team that has looked really good like we're talking back to Super Bowl Rams from a couple of years ago. Should have won that game against the Bills last week after being down 28-3. Terrible call by the refs on the pass interference. Robbed them, I think, coming off of a loss at home against a terrible Giants team. They win that game by two touchdowns. And again, having it at 13 instead of 13 in the hook, 13 is also a, a score that you see. So you push a possibility. And the Ravens, not as not as – Likely as a possibility of a push at 13 as other numbers, but something to keep in the back of your mind. And then the Ravens, like you said, that's a game they come out and they win by three, four touchdowns. So absolutely certain about the Ravens, but I didn't want to just make it the Ravens alone like you did. I wanted to add a twist to it. So I add the Rams into it as well. And this is just going back to me like we were talking about last week. Big numbers don't scare me if the matchup is right. And to kind of illustrate that point, parlay of the two big numbers, uh, uh, turns it into a plus 260 odds pairing these two together. And, and again, like I said, the, the Giants absolutely demolished last week at home against a depleted 49ers team. Now they have to go out west coming against a team that's coming off of a loss. And the Giants' defense may very well be the worst defense in the league. And the Rams may very well be the best offense in the league outside of the Chiefs. You've got an argument to be made Packers. there. You got an argument to be made there between the Packers, Cowboys. So there's there's other conversations to be had, but they're up there as far as the best offenses. So both of those teams, same number, minus 13, turns you into plus 260 if you parlay them together. I like the Giants to cover this week too. So you got another good spot uh, with the Rams. The way I look at it, Joe, is you got to figure that everybody in their survivor pools this week will be taking three teams. Everybody will be on the Ravens. Everybody will be on the Rams. And everybody will be on the Packers. I can't see Atlanta keeping it close with the Packers. I can't see the Ravens uh, keeping it close with Washington football team. I think the Giants don't think they're going to beat the Rams. But if you remember last year, week four, it was the same spot. The Rams were double-digit favorites against the Bucks at home. Everybody took them in survivor pool, and they lost. Yes. First of all, feel even better about this pick because you're questioning it. Right. <laughs> second of all, second of all, last year's Bucks team was way underrated. Jameis Winston led the league in passing. They had a great offense. Their defense finished number seven in the league. And the Rams last year were a shell of what the Rams are this year. And they were a shell of what they were the previous year. But now it's back to those Rams that made the Super Bowl. So that's why I feel fine about it. And this Giants team can't polish the shoes of the Bucks team from last year. That's how bad this Giants team is, even though that Bucks team was only eight and eight. So that's, that's why I, that, that game crossed my mind. It crossed my mind. And, and the Rams have in the past, last year struggling games like this, but this isn't last year's Rams. It's back to the year prior's Rams. And, and I feel good about it. It's trivia time. Something I do, I have been pretty good at. And I like yes. the best bets picks. Uh, eight and a half to five and a half. I can never remember who goes the week. Oh, I went first last week with the French Open question, so I'll give you your question. All right, let's do it. 
It is NBA Finals time, Joe. So I gave you an NBA Finals question. As we know, LeBron James has been to the Finals a lot of times. He's been to the Finals 10 times. Um, he first got to the Finals in 2007. He's obviously in it this year. Between those 14 years, 2007 to 2020, the 13 years, the Lakers, Heat, Cavs, Warriors, Spurs, and Celtics have all made the Finals multiple times. They've all been there twice or more. There have been four teams in that span when LeBron went to his first finals and now that have been to the finals once. Okay, Not necessarily uh, have won it, but I, they I have got, been. I got where this question's going. Can you repeat the teams that have been there multiple times just so I write them down and don't repeat those teams? Sure. Lakers. Lakers. Heat. Heat. Cavs. Cavs. Warriors. Warriors. Spurs, Celtics. Spurs, Celtics. Yep. Celtics, and I'm writing it in the Google Doc that we have shared, so you see what I'm writing down. Just so, just so there's no funny business going on here. Lakers, Heat, Lakers, Heat, Cavs, Warriors, Spurs, Celtics. Those six teams multiple times. You want mm-hmm. the four teams from 07 till now who have only been there once. Correct. 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 Okay. Go ahead. All right. The Raptors are the first and foremost easy one. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Um, that's a tough question. I really like it. Um, the ooh, the magic, magic, correct. Magic lost, lost Kobe's Lakers. Yes, they did. That is two. That was the tough one. I I, I didn't know if you'd get. So that was a good hmm. one. That was a tough one. Interesting. Okay, so who have the Warriors beaten? They've beaten the Cavs. One minute the Heat, remaining. The Heat lost to the Mavericks. They're another one. Three. You got one more left. And then the Heat. Who have the Heat? beaten in the finals when they played 50 seconds um, left got plenty of oh the thunder they beat the thunder Oklahoma. joe well done quick yeah. didn't even get to 45 seconds yeah. you knocked them all out that is correct yeah. the magic the mavericks the thunder the raptors the four other teams that have been to the finals from 2007 to 2020 all right six and a all half right. you're on the run homer from the Braves, so they're up three nothing bottom eight going to top nine with a three-run lead just going back to our baseball conversation from earlier. So they're going to get past the Reds. So uh, the, the sleeper team that we thought the Reds can be will go take a long nap until next season starts. Uh, now my question for you. Uh, on another note of a team that was eliminated, the Minnesota Twins have lost 18 consecutive playoff games, which is unfathomable, PJ. That's unfathomable. Pretty uh, that's pretty bad. Now I want you to give me the other longest active game losing streaks not serious losing streaks so we're going to discard the nhl because there's really no streak that stands out above the rest so we're discarding the nhl i want you and and in the nba there's only one streak that sticks out so we're i want you to give me the one nba team that has the longest active game losing streak and i want you to give me the three nfl teams that have the longest active game playoff game losing streak because after that again it's a it's a very clustered pack but there's three teams that are at least a couple games above the rest of the pack so the gotcha. three NFL teams and the one NBA team you don't have to give me the number of their streak that would just be very mean of me um, but just give me those four teams and your time begins now all right well the Lions and Bengals are one thousand percent total they are the Bengals have lost eight in a row. And the Lions have lost nine in a row. The other NFL. NFL. So you said one more NFL, one more NBA, one MLB. 
No, no, no. Just, just one NBA, just one NFL. One NBA, one MLB. Gotcha. I'm sorry. One NBA, one NFL. Only 30 <sighs> seconds gone. You got a minute. Yeah, the NBA is going to be the tough one. Because, like, I know the Kings haven't been there in forever, but I think they won. And again, it's not that not the longest streak of not being there. It's how right. many playoff games right. are lost, like the Twins. Right, 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 right. So who's gotten swept recently? You got forty I'll seconds remaining. I'll go with the Nets. The Nets are not the team. Okay. The other NFL team, uh, the Bills. Uh, the other NFL team is the Bills. Six. Wow. All right. So you got the NBA team rem- right. remaining, and you've got twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. NBA team. Um, you only use one got strike. Swept. I mean, the Timberwolves. Nope. Two strikes. And uh, five seconds. I mean, Four, is it the Knicks? Three, or the Hawks. Two, I'll go Hawks. One, not the Hawks. Is, so the, the, the trick here, no, nope, <laughs> okay. the trick here was a lot of those teams have not even been in the playoffs long as many times to to have a losing streak. The team is the Pistons. The Pistons have been in the playoffs three times since 2008, and they've gotten swept all three times. And in 2008. They lost the last two games of the series to the Celtics. They have lost 14 consecutive playoff games. Wow. Pistons. Wow. All right, we pulled one back. Eight and a half to six and a half. We pulled that, was one a, back. that was a good one. I was surprised I got all three NFL teams. I knew the yeah, Lions. So, so the, the, the NBA, after the Pistons, it's a bunch of teams with like a single-digit pack. The right. NHL, we've talked about the parity in the NHL. It's a bunch of teams in a small single-digit pack. The NFL, it was the Lions with nine. The Bengals with eight, the Bills with six. And then beyond that, uh, the Dolphins and the Washington football team with four, the Ravens with three, the Browns with two. So after that, there was nothing significant. Just those three NFL teams stood out. So gave you those three, gave you the Pistons, four teams. Most of our questions are usually four or five answers, so I figured that would be good. But you got the NFL team, so impressive pull in that aspect. Well done. All right, so you closed the gap to two back on me. I got a six-game lead in the picks, so <laughs> yeah. we're good there. That's only going to keep growing, <laughs> trust me. I hope uh, – so, again, my picks, the opposite of my picks for everyone, take the Raiders this week, <laughs> take Kansas State, take the Washington football team, take Vanderbilt, and take the 49ers. Yeah, and for you mine – You got that, Joe? For mine, take the picks because we're 8-7 <laughs> and seven here. Uh, we're 8-7 and seven here. The one college game we like – Minus seven, Oklahoma at Iowa State, bounce back. And then the NFL, we got three teams, small single-digit favorites. We got Cowboys home, minus four and a half against the Browns. Uh, We've got the Cardinals on the road, three-point favorites against the Panthers. And then we have the Saints, four-point favorites on the road against the Lions. Number one, my second time doing it this year, we go to the parlay, plus 260 odds. The Ravens and Rams, both minus 13 against the Washington football team and the Giants, respectively. All right. Joe likes some blowouts in those games. Absolutely. I, well, look, I'd be glad if you won that parlay because then the <laughs> Ravens won comfortably and I took the Rams and Survivors. So. There you go. I took – and one of my Survivors, uh, week four is the try to thin the herd week, and you actually have to pick two teams. And I have not used either the Rams or the Ravens, so I'm sitting pretty with the Rams and the Ravens. You know, I bet you there is one or two guys in every league this year or this week, that that's that Jets-Broncos game. Because you know you're not using those two again. 
it's tough to pick tonight's game, but if you do get it, you got a huge leg up because you get to save the Ravens, Rams, and Packers, who everybody else will be picking. Yeah, no, it's fair. So, it's, it's really so, risky, but I, I – No, I think the Jets right. are going to win. Next time we're recording, we're going to be on here talking PJ, about the one and three PJ, Jets, baby. PJ, I sadly think the Jets are going to win tonight, too. I know you do. I know you do. I really think they're going to. I really I, do. I, you'd, I, I'd be a lot happier if they lost and there's a pink slip. It, better yet, there's not even a pink slip on Adam Gase's desk tomorrow. He goes to the facility, and he can't even type his code in. That's what I'd hope for. You know, Joe, the campaign that's biggest in your heart isn't Biden and Trump. It's Eric Bieniemy, 2021. That's, that's what you want. Eric Bieniemy or Arthur Smith, one of the two. Okay, very nice. Well, Joe, that was fun. Mike Lupica, pretty cool getting to talk to him. Very good stuff. Week 19 in the books. It's October. Playoff baseball. Week four of the NFL, week five of college football. Here we go. Let's have ourselves a good week, Joe. Good talking to you, buddy. You as well. All right. See you again next week.